0: Suddenly, it wasn't just a matter of going in and having fun... ...and doing what we do, do your music, don't worry about it, don't be self-conscious. Suddenly, we had a definite reason for doing a great job. When it came time to do Rumours, uh, Lindsay pretty much took the point on that... ...because he, had the, the, he was the one with the strongest opinion. He probably had more vision, and Lindsay really had the craft uh, of record-making.
1: By the time we got to Sausalito to start Rumours, the roller coaster was in motion. The two challenges, really. One was a musical challenge, and make another Fleetwood Mac album, and two was knowing that
2: what was going on personally, which was everyone splitting up. Uh, I've always been a firm believer that much of the appeal of rumors uh, went beyond the music itself. That's not to take anything away from the musical accomplishment. But you have to understand that we were five people. Stevie and I had been a couple for a long time. John and Christine McVie had been married. So you had these two couples. By the time we got up to Sausalito to start recording rumors, Stevie and I, although not quite as well defined, were estranged. We're not living together. We, for all intents and purposes, broken up. John and Christine McVie were divorced. So normally when people break up, when there's uh, pain involved like that, uh, disappointment, um, heartache, people are allowed uh, a requisite amount of distance and time in order to let the dust settle before they move on. Well, we did not have that luxury. We were, you know, in very close quarters, never had the, the luxury to be apart. So therefore never really had the luxury of closure. And also you had three writers. So Stevie was writing songs, basically dialogues to me. I was basically writing dialogues to her. And Christine McVie was writing dialogues to John. Day by Day
1: Hey, you're listening to Day by Day, Fleetwood Mac, Day 11, about album number 11 from 1977. An album called Rumors, with two U's. Came out in February of 1977. Mostly recorded in California in 1976. Produced by Ken Calais and Richard Dashett. Dashett would have a long time working relationship with Lindsey Buckingham and Fleetwood Mac after this. One thing I read is that Nick Fleetwood and John McVie vetoed using Keith Olsen, who produced the previous album, because they felt that he The quote I read is, he favored a lower emphasis on the rhythm section. So, you know, the story of this album is well known. I'm looking at this album from my point of view. Why do I love this album so much? You know, I I remember really getting into this record. I think it was the summer between my freshman and sophomore years in college. And I I was really starting to collect records and branch out from my growing up. I was mostly into hard rock and heavy metal. And kind of as soon as I went to college, I started listening to more stuff. I started checking out CDs from the library and I started buying records. Records were really cheap back then. You could actually find good stuff at thrift stores. I would buy records for 25 cents, 50 cents, a dollar. And I just started listening to lots of stuff. And I really fell in love with Rumors And then I really, really fell in love with Tusk, and then I became obsessed with Lindsey Buckingham, and I remember this is all happening my sophomore year of college when I was like 19. And, uh, yeah, so Lindsey became one of my favorites, and this is a favorite album of mine. You know, when an album is so such a huge hit like Rumors, there's a lot of baggage that goes with that, and there's a lot of, you know, by the time I was listening to this album, it was 20 years old. Almost 20 years old, approaching 20 years old. And a lot, you know, small, several songs on this album were kind of ubiquitous songs that just were part of the culture and, and things that I had already heard a billion times, even without even listening to the album. So, but when you listen to the album as a whole and you try to listen to it in context or be objective about it, I, I mean, it is a brilliant, amazing piece of work. And, you know, such a clutch album. I like thinking about that, you know, like you watch a band where they have a hit and now whatever they do next, if they do it right, it could really take them over the top. And so this is, I mean, this is maybe the best example ever of a band taking an opportunity and just, you know, hitting it out of the park. So You know, they they really did intend with this album to make a pop album. But, of course, everybody knows the stories that they had all broken up. Lindsay and Stevie had broken up. Christine and John McVie had broken up. Mick Fleetwood had, uh, you know, split up with his wife. And, uh, you know, so it's a very volatile situation when they're making the album. There's a lot of tension and drama and all of that. Everybody knows that story but at the same time you know the songwriting obviously is you know monumental it's a it's an amazing piece of work the songwriting and the production and the performances and everything it's just it all comes together on this and the timing you know 1977 you know it's a rock band making a pop album it's a just hit after hit and but also some great artistry you know it's not just All pop singles. Obviously, at this point, this is one of the best-selling albums of all time. It's interesting that it seems like, you know, there was a lot of press about the band and the band dynamics. You know, there was stories in the press that Christine McVie was sick and dying in the hospital. And there was a picture of Lindsay and Stevie with Mick Fleetwood's daughter Lucy. And that was, you know, that was portrayed in the media as if that was their secret Love Child, you know, so they had they had a big hit record and they were, you know, famous basically. And people were anticipating this album and they were becoming celebrities, so to speak, already before rumors. So the album was mostly recorded at the record plant in Sausalito. And you had the female members of Fleetwood Mac living in one property nearby and the male members living at another property nearby so they were living there and they were recording and they were all not getting along and yet they managed to put together one of the best albums and one of the most popular albums of all time so one detail that I think is pretty well known is that drugs cocaine a lot of that was around during the making of this album it took a long time to make the album not as long as it would take them to make the next album. Christine McVie has described the making of the record as traumatic. Stevie Nicks has said that Fleetwood Mac made the best music when they were in the worst shape. I think Lindsey Buckingham was taking a lot more control. And he was working closely with Richard Dashut. And definitely he clashed with John McVie in terms of Lindsey exerting more influence, I think. You know, he would eventually become the band's producer and he's moving into that role. And it was, you know, it had to be a gradual process. And I guess John McVie at first, it took a while for John McVie to come around to Lindsay taking on more of that production role. But obviously it paid off. The band, they took breaks from recording, did short tours. It was a process, it was a real process, probably keeping the band together, keeping the band from splitting up. Also, a lot of work. You can hear how much work, time, and effort went into making the album. And, of course, you have things like money and fame and drugs playing a role. If you look back on it, maybe it's a miracle that they stayed together and finished this album and held it all together and remained a solid band that was able to keep moving, keep building, and, you know, achieve monumental success. So Go Your Own Way, the first single came out in December of 76, and there was an aggressive marketing campaign which led to 800,000 advance orders of the album, which at the time was the largest advance order in Warner Brothers history. So when the album came out in February of 1977, it was an immediate hit, and the band headed out on a seven-month tour. So Rumors was the number one album in the country for 31 weeks, non-consecutive weeks, but 31 weeks total. It was certified platinum in America and the UK within months of release. And the album went on to win the Grammy for album of the year. You know, it came out in February of 77 by March of 78. The album had sold 8 million copies in the United States and 10 million worldwide. By 1980, the album had sold 13 million copies as of 2017 Sales of rumors worldwide were over forty million. Me All right, so let's go through this album, Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. The album opens with a song called Secondhand News by Lindsey Buckingham, originally an acoustic demo called Strummer, uh, something that Lindsey came up with after hearing Jive Talkin' by the Bee Gees, apparently. You know, this has long been one of my favorite songs, and I've been thinking recently, why? Uh, An acquaintance on Facebook within the last year mocked the chorus of this song, the bow, 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 bow. He was talking about, about how bad it was the chorus and I that made me think because you know objectively I wouldn't expect myself to like a song very much where the chorus was bow 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 bow, bow. <laughs> that doesn't seem like something I would like Object just thinking about it objectively but I love this so why why is that I don't know you know when, like I said, when I was listening to this, when I was 18, 19, really getting getting into record collecting, really expanding my my taste from just kind of being focused on hard rock and heavy metal, and just listening to lots of stuff and discovering, you know, lots of different stuff that I liked. I loved this song. It became one of my favorite songs. And the chorus is bow 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 bow. bow. So. Why do I like this song so much? Well, it definitely has a great energy. And the melodies are great. And the production is great. So it just works for me. I can see, you know, when that guy on Facebook was making fun of it, I could see his point of view. And I could understand. And it kind of made me question my own fandom of the song. Because I had to admit he had a point. The chorus of the song is... Bow, 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 bow. But for whatever reason, this song just connected with me. And, you know, like I said, it's long been a favorite of mine. I think Lindsey Buckingham is a master at his craft. This is, in essence, a pop song, but there's a truth behind it. There's something real and painful. You know, we know what he's singing about. He's singing about his breakup with Stevie, at least in part. But at the same time, the song is a celebration because it's uplifting. It makes you happy. It makes me happy. Um, simply due to the upbeat, sing along nature of the song. There's such a charm, I think, to the song that is impossible to resist. So, just the whole way it's put together, the energy, the feel, the production, the performances, the celebratory nature of the song that kind of contrasts with the lyrical tone of the song, the I don't know how to explain it, but I know that I love this song. All right, the second song on the album is an amazing collaboration between Stevie and Lindsey called Dreams. Lindsey Buckingham's innovative guitar work really brings this song to life. It's a slow groove, but melodic and hooky, imbued with this kind of darkness. Stevie's vocal is amazing. The rhythm section really steers the thing and drives it along. So, you know, I, I've talked already about how it's a special thing to have such talented musicians making such unapologetic pop music. If you compare this with Stevie's piano, how the this, this song begins, how she wrote it on piano with what Lindsay does with this song. So Lindsay Buckingham's arrangement really makes this song. Not to take anything away from Stevie, because she, her, you know, this is Stevie's character in this song. This is her vibe, her unique creation. It's so simple, but at the same time, so complex. And we know what Stevie's writing about here. A lot of it, you know, these are great songwriters, so it's open-ended. You could make your own interpretation. But secondhand news: Lindsay's writing about the breakup dreams. Stevie's writing about the breakup. Incredibly well-crafted, great song, and a huge hit. Third song on the album from Lindsey Buckingham called Never Going Back Again. One of my favorite things ever. What's amazing about this song is the obviously the acoustic guitar arrangement, the guitar playing. I could listen to this as an instrumental. It's amazing. It's beautiful. I love the guitar. And then the vocal melody is also amazing. This is a very unique... Song. I've been talking about how this is a pop album. This song is an artist at work. Like I said, instrumentally alone, this is amazing and beautiful. And then the vocal melody on top of that. It's barely two minutes long. Uh, this is one of my favorite things ever. I just absolutely love this. Fourth song on the album by Christine McVie called Don't Stop. It's a pretty great collaboration, really, between Christine and Lindsay. And this is the kind of song Christine has been working towards and building towards, and it just all comes together here. And with the contribution from Lindsay, how could this not have been a hit song? This song, Don't Stop, is a perfect example of these people coming together and ending up here at this song this is the culmination of this band coalescing Fifth song on the album and the first single. Song from Lindsay Buckingham called Go Your Own Way. Lindsay's just working with basic chords here, but embellishing it with nice licks and of course monster solos. So this is so skillfully constructed. And it's a bona fide classic. It's like the very definition of a hit song. It's like emblematic of the era. It's like kind of a universal, universally loved song, I think. You know, it's a brilliant piece of work. Uh, you get these folk and country influences, but rocked out and insane melodies over the top. And you know, what about that rhythm section? I mean, that so the a simple pop song with amazing musicians, brilliant production, infused with emotion, and just a vibrant piece of work. So. You know, it's a masterpiece. Last song on side one of Rumors. A brilliant, beautiful song from Christine McVie. A haunting piano ballad called Songbird. Extremely emotionally effective. Just a masterpiece, in my opinion, of just a a singer and a piano and a wonderful song. Just amazing. Amazing. So, side one of this record. Holy shit. Um. All right, flipping the record over, side two of Rumors opens with The Chain. Uh, I think everybody's credited on this song, a, a lot of which has to do with the the jam at the end. I think it's widely known that they put two things together. They had a song and they had a jam and they put them together and they worked together and it turned into this brilliant... You know, that's, that's songwriting. But, you know, the song is sheer brilliance. Um... It's not my favorite song on the album. Um, I probably like almost everything on Sidewalk more than this song, but this is what a band is about. The coming together of a group of creative people, the combining of their talents. It all comes together to create something epic. Uh, so many pieces of the puzzle that fit together perfectly, and then you end up with this work of art undeniably, but also at the same time kind of a happy accident, the way... The pieces fit together, but holy shit, does it work? I mean, this is a great songwriting, great arranging, great performing, you know, so it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It really is. Second song on side two. Song from Christine McVie called You Make Loving Fun. Of course, when this album came out, it's in the era of disco. And this would be, to my ears, the closest they get to disco. The closest Fleetwood Mac ever got to disco would be this song. Uh, So I don't really like this song. Uh, Definitely, I would say my least favorite song on the album. But I'll listen to it. I will put this record on and listen to it all the way through. So... You know, I don't hate this song. Um, I will listen to this as part of the album happily. third song on side two is called I Don't Want to Know. Very simple song uh, written by Stevie, sung by Stevie and Lindsay together. I like this song. It's, it's very catchy, very poppy. It's a fun song. It's kind of a toss-off, but I do enjoy it quite a bit. At the same time, it's tragic now to know the story of the song Silver Springs and how that song was left off the album for time constraints, basically. And this song was occluded instead because this is much more of a B-side than Silver Springs. I like the song a lot, but it's also it seems very easy and simple. fourth song on side two song from christine called oh daddy uh this is decent it's dark ominous nice chorus great production great musicianship i mean listen to that bass playing from john McVie. uh this was apparently written about mick fleetwood and his wife jenny and uh i guess they had broken up gotten back together you know, the, the, they had a nickname for Mick which was Big Daddy. And I guess Stevie Nicks gave Christine the final line that I can't walk away from you, baby, even if I tried. I guess Stevie gave her that. Um, this song I like, but, you know, side two here is not nearly as good as side one. Side one was just a tour de force. Just unbelievably great. Saito's 2 is good. These are good songs. right the album ends rumors ends with a song from stevie nicks called gold dust woman obviously this has become a classic it's another dark ominous tune like kind of oh daddy and this song do kind of go together so i like that sequencing there and you know and this is the end so ending the album with these two kind of dark ominous songs i guess this was inspired by you know, Stevie's experiences with drugs and the big city, Los Angeles, and struggling with, you know, the rock and roll lifestyle. She was, you know, I guess pretty deep into cocaine. And I, you know, I, I suppose that's a lot of the symbolism going on with this. Great production, really cool song, great way to end the album. So, yeah, Goldust Woman, very, very cool. Yeah, so when I was talking about I Don't Want to Know, I mentioned Silver Springs. So Silver Springs, as many or most of you probably know, it's, it's an amazing song that really, wow, if it had been on this album, it would have really contributed to how much of a classic this album is. I mean, how could it be more of a classic? But, yeah, it's, it's really a tragedy that Silver Springs, I guess it was just because of time the limitations of the vinyl at the time.
2: And it went off because it was too long. It was, uh, the version that everybody heard was f- like four minutes and something, seconds. and it, But it was really uh, seven minutes. And it was an incredible seven minutes. Uh, it was it was too long. I Don't Want to Know was a lot shorter. But the choice to take Silver Springs off and put I Don't Want to Know on will go down as the biggest question in history on whether that was the right thing to do or not
1: not sure how the sequencing would have worked I mean obviously it would have kind of worked as the last song in the album but so does "Gold Dust Woman so they would have had to resequence. I don't know where they would have put it yeah it's Stevie's real song about the breakup and it's ironic that it ended up as the b-side of Go Your Own Way they put it on the b-side of the single You know, and it's famous, famously at the dance at the reunion concert when they were singing it and Stevie was glaring at Lindsay. You know, I'll follow you down till the sound of my voice will haunt you. It's the song is just so great. That coda, I mean, she's angry. There's anger in it, there's so much emotion. It starts, the song kind of starts out pretty, and then it's got this angry, dark, Coda. that's just amazing so it's a brilliant song like I said it should have been on the album it would have made the album that much better hard to imagine rumors could have been better but it was right there they had this song they just couldn't for whatever reason they it was decided that they couldn't fit this song on the record but that's extremely unfortunate There's a remastered edition of Rumors where they put Silver Springs in between Songbird and The Chain, which would have to be saying Silver Springs would have opened Side 2. But how do you not open Side 2 with The Chain? But it couldn't have been the end of Side 1 because there were already six songs. That would have been the seventh song on Side 1. But imagine that. I already talked about how insanely great side one of this album is then you've got Silver Springs that they put after Songbird in between Songbird and The Chain just insane so you know what could have been but there you have it Rumors, one of my favorite albums of all time one of the greatest albums of all time I have to say an amazing work of art how are they going to follow it up though You've got one of the biggest albums of all time. What do you do next? We'll find out tomorrow.